Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Dolbine Show. Today we're going to dive into the light and playful and fun topic of questioning your parents. Uh, I know, I know. I'm a lover of deep and serious topics. Uh, this is my strength. This is my strength. And one thing that is an area of opportunity for me to grow is continuing to integrate seriousness with playfulness. So I, I, I like to make silly jokes sometimes, but I, I often will, if I do that, it, it doesn't necessarily uh, integrate in to the deep conversation. Like when I'm in the deep mode, you might've noticed I'll be in a super deep mode and I'm fully in that mode. It's not necessarily integrated in with a sense of lightness. So it's one thing that I'm seeking to to do is to be able to let go of that, any energetic sense of sustained, continuous, deep seriousness at the same time without apologizing for that and, and recognizing that beauty and that strength of depth and inviting you to to sink and swim down there with me. So I want to flesh out a couple points I made in part one. But before I do that, let's begin with that blanket of compassion and inviting that reminder that as we question our parents, as we question what happened in our childhoods, we are also, in a sense, questioning what happened in our parents' childhoods, right? We are becoming curious about the cycle itself. I just like to call it the cycle. This energetic, unconscious force, you might call it, of gen generation after generation of unconsciously passed down top-down paradigms, unconsciously passed down punishment and reward, appeals to authority rather than appeals to reason, disrespect of children rather than respect of children. And this is essentially the amygdala continuing to fire because people haven't processed their own childhood. So the invitation is to process yours. And to break the cycle. And that's a beautiful thing. And so being honest about our experience with our parents growing up is that. It is being honest. And it is being compassionate. And so that brings me to the distinction between blame and responsibility. So be aware of any internal objection about well, I don't want to blame my parents. That's not helpful to point fingers. You're right. I believe it's not helpful. And so we can let go of blame. Right? Blame has this, this yucky feeling to it of, of hoisting something on somebody else. You caused this. This is all because of you. When in reality, technically speaking, especially when it's, we're talking about 
someone being verbally aggressive, for example. Technically, it's your response to that person's aggression that is creating your emotional experience. Even the child doing that. But I'm not going to go down that technicality. What matters right now is the fact that your parents are responsible for their actions. And we want to be honest about that without blaming and shaming. They did what they did and they chose that. How conscious it was is another conversation. How much they were engaged with their prefrontal cortex versus their amygdala, that's another conversation. But even if the amygdala is the one that's firing and it's all unconscious projection of their own childhood, they're still responsible. So I just invite that so that you can be honest with what happened to you and what your parents did while also being compassionate for what that is. So let's, once again, underline that, that blanket of, of compassion with honesty. So to flesh out some points from last time, I really want to first dangle and dance with this micro versus macro that I've actually been dancing with throughout the podcast so far in these first dozen episodes or so is that the big picture macro manifestation of how humans are living on this planet, the culture of coercion that is embedded throughout the world with top-down governmental paradigms, that is because at its core perhaps not the only cause, but an essential cause to that is our relationship with our parents from the beginning. To see our parents as the first authority. And so, it is essential for us to grok this, to wrap our minds around this relationship. Just entertain it, even if you're not 100% on board with what I'm saying right now. Can you can you entertain what I'm saying without fully accepting it and let yourself figure out truth by yourself, right? That's, by the way, what I'm doing on this podcast. Invitation for you to think for yourself. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire. Your opportunity to educate yourself is you listening to this right now and thinking for yourself. So I'm inviting that spark. I'm not telling you what to think. But please, I invite you to entertain what I'm saying with your own critical thinking. So this idea that there's this direct relationship between our early relationship to our parents as authority and the existence of massive institutions of top-down command and control known as centralized government, known as the state, as well as other forms of of top-down, but I'm going to focus on that. That's the main essential spine of the skeleton that is this 
culture is this assumption that government is necessary. And that assumption is baked in to the similar assumption that young children cannot reason. Young children need authority in order to navigate the world. They need someone to tell them what to do without appealing to their reason. Now, I know there's a lot of nuance to unpack with that, but for now, I want to be simple. Look at this. Do this because I said so. That is the essence of the parent-child relationship in the vast majority of people's experience growing up. Do this because I said so. Even if it's more explicit for some people, more implicit for others, the essential idea that the parent is telling the child what to do. That's at the core, and that's at the core of government. That's at the core of the existence of the state. Without government, without the state, it would be chaotic. It would be disorderly. It would be insane. It would be out of control. Right? But it's actually possible to have a world without that. It's actually possible to have a world without government as well as impossible to have a world without appealing to authority as parents with our children. It's possible to cultivate from the bottom up and the inside out a liberated, respectful, win-win world that's based on the respect of reason and the child's mind. And when we do that, we build whole new paradigms. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm going back and forth between, micro and macro, in this podcast. So I want to break down, though, what I mentioned in part one, which is that taxation is not consent. So, so taxation is the essence of how government exists, right? Just think about that for a second, if you've never thought about that. Government does not have customers that they appeal to to gather their their market response, right? That the free market that businesses do, they appeal to customers through through sales and marketing to appeal to the self-interest of the potential customer. This is not the case with governments. The governments say, give us your money or else, right? That is taxation. It is command and control. It is top-down. It is monopolistic. It is forceful. It is not consensual. So I want to break this down relatively succinctly for those of you who have never heard this concept before because some of us just haven't heard it. And when we hear it, it can have that light bulb moment for you, as well as it can be triggering psychologically because it's connected to our relationship with our parents. So I'm going to invite that, that, that compassion as well for that, if that moment comes up for you. But what matters here is to recognize that if you don't pay your taxes, you're going to get a fine. You're going to get a notice. You're going to get a warning. Okay. But eventually, if you ignore that warning, if you refuse to pay the taxes, they'll 
continued to threaten you with more fines than eventually with jail time or closing your bank account or whatever they're going to threaten you with. And if you continue to resist, they eventually will come to your door, right? They'll come to your door and they will knock on your door and they'll say, you need to do this. Otherwise you're going to jail. And if you refuse at that point, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They have guns. If you literally continue to refuse to pay the taxes and refuse to go to jail, they will what? Kill you. Now, that is violence. And the existence of government and the state and taxation is all predicated on that threat. So essentially, everybody acquiesces to the threat. And so the actual violence never really becomes explicit, never becomes uncovered since people acquiesce. But the truth is, if you don't acquiesce, you'll be killed. So let that sink in. And it might feel prickly. It might feel uncomfortable to absorb that. And you might notice parts of you want to object. And that's all welcome. And I am curious if you actually have any possible refutation to that sequence of logic that I just outlined because I've never found any refutation to it. So this is this very rarely mentioned truth about reality and the way the world is structured essentially. And this monopoly on violence is a manifestation of that cycle. So my desire is to name this truth. So when we name it, we can integrate it. We can heal it. We can transform it and transcend it to new healthy and wholesome paradigms for humanity. How are we doing, y'all? How are we doing? Are we keeping it deep over here? All right. <laughs> I love you all so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for entertaining this. So, in questioning our parents... This is this pathway, in my humble opinion, to actually break the cycle and actually rebirth humanity. Because when we actually look at the roots here, not just not just look at our childhood. I mean, many people look at their childhoods in some way or another. I'm talking about truly looking at the deepest roots of our childhood and the deepest dynamics that were at play from the, from the very get-go. 
And again, this is not to discount the nuances of your childhood and the the benefits that you did experience and the perhaps wonderful experiences you did have and the wonderful ways your parents did interact with you and the, the needs that were met. Just trying to get really honest about what need and needs were not met. And the primary one I would assert is the need for respect of your mind as a child. So this segues me to a quote I'd like to read. And this quote has some of this good versus evil language in it. I'm not going to, you know, skip over that. I don't subscribe to that paradigm of good versus evil. I'm interested in needs-based judgment, not moralistic judgment. So this, this idea of morality and and good versus evil is going to be slightly baked into this this fairly lengthy quote. But again, we can find value in anything we read. Go back to episode four of this podcast about the art of charitable interpretation. So let's listen to this quote, and then I, I can give some some commentary after the quote. But I really want to spotlight it in what I'm saying about respecting the child's capacity to reason. Societies which do not have an objective and commonly understood methodology for determining truth and falsehood, good and evil, inevitably have to end up substituting authority for, for virtue. If, to educate children in what they should and should not do, parents have to end up invoking authority rather than objective values, then the best that they can do is to teach their children to be obedient, not to be moral, to conform, not to think, to bully or be bullied, but not to approach others as equals. How many times do children hear these cliches of parenthood? Don't be selfish. Share. Be nice. Be polite. Be considerate. Think of others. Don't push and so on, and so on, and so on. All of these injunctions to children are mere orders, empty of meaning, thought, or reasoning. The silent expression at the end of all of these orders to children is, because I'm telling you to. Children cannot ask why, because there is no answer. Parents cloak these orders in the moral authority of objective values, but cannot explain how they came about, and so strenuously resist being questioned. So let that sink in, and I'll tell you who said that quote in a minute, but just let it sink in on its own. I like to do that with quotes sometimes, so that we're not thinking about the person but I'll I'll get back to that in a second. But the, the message here to extract is how often are parents appealing to authority? The implicit 
message underneath these statements like don't push or don't be selfish or be considerate. There's needs that are that are trying to get met and there's perhaps value in the statements. There's a need to consider other people, right? There's a need to respect people's boundaries. So not pushing would help meet that need perhaps. The thing is that parents are frequently and continually asserting these types of injunctions without appealing to the self-interest of the child, without inviting the child to understand the why. And maybe more importantly, not creating an atmosphere where the child is invited continuously in all situations to ask why no matter what. And that is the essence of invoking authority, invoking authority as a parent. So we're not even talking about necessarily even your parents doing things that are overtly violent to you, physically or emotionally. Like almost anyone in in this world will agree that more overt physical and emotional violence towards children is not the way to go. Many people are on board with that. And we can talk about that, but I'm actually highlighting here something that is in a sense lighter, but also deeper. It's like, we're just talking about parents saying, be polite, share, share. I mean, think about the sharing one. It's good to share. And it's just this unquestioned assumption and the parent is projecting that out and trying to make the kid share how often are kids being forced to share or forced to apologize because they're trying to teach their kids to have good manners and all of these ideas good manners teaching instilling into your child raising your child to be this good person all these are unquestioned assumptions what does good person mean What is good manners? What is good? Why do we have good versus bad? This is role playing. This is not authentic parenting. This is not authentic parenting. This is appealing to authority. Do this because you're supposed to do it. And this is the mechanism, y'all. This is the mechanism. So a sharing thing goes all all the way up to the macro. Oh, we need to share wealth. We need to redistribute wealth through government. Forced sharing. Forced sharing. It's not built on voluntary self-interested ways of interacting and it's based on fear and distrust, right? Because the parent doesn't trust that the child is going to share from the goodness of his heart, from from the, the overflowing, abundant generosity in his natural heart. The, the, chi- the, the, the parent is projecting his or her own fear onto the child because of his or her own unprocessed childhood experience is projecting, saying this child doesn't have the capacity to share without me telling him to, without me forcing him to, without me instilling these values in him. And if he questions, why do I need to share? Hmm. How often is a parent welcoming that questioning? Right, Because so often those parents have their own protector parts up in those moments, right? 
that guard comes up, oh no, don't question that. Don't question my authority because what's underneath that protective part of that parent? It's their own unprocessed, exiled part of themselves, their own inner child that didn't get to question when he was a child. So it it almost, it just brings tears to me. This is the core of it, y'all. This is the core of the coercion in this world, of the violence, of the punishment, of throwing people into cages, of war, of corrupted, centralized currencies that make life incredibly difficult for so many people, especially the poor. This is the root of the root. The question your parents can, when we actually question our parents at this level, we can begin to integrate this energy individually and collectively to actually create a new liberated humanity. So you might have thoughts in your mind about what about this? What about that? What about this parenting situation? What about that parenting situation? What about kids who are crossing the street in traffic? Just notice those thoughts. Just notice, just be mindful of what's present for you. And just tune into your deepest core true self. And invite the possibility that truth is resonating here in this podcast. You know, you know that I'm touching on truth. By questioning the unquestioned. You know that it's all over, all over the place in conventional and it's not even, there's there's so many different types of parenting and people are, are really giving a lot of effort in their parenting. I really acknowledge that. And people are making strides and they're doing maybe a, f- a little bit better than, the, than their parents did and all that is valid and valued and acknowledged. Just really seeking to spotlight this, this truth that you know it's all over the place, that parents are saying don't push and think of others and share because I said so, even if it's implicit and covert. This is the beginnings of our relationship to authority. And if we don't grok this, we're just going to continue to perpetuate that. So in our own personal development, our own personal development and self-integration work, it's getting down all the way to these roots and asking yourself, how is my mind not trusted? How is my mind not trusted? And we can do that with compassion and not shame blame. So, I told you I would say who said that quote, right? 
I'll go ahead and just expound on that a little bit. Uh, that quote's by Stefan Molyneux. And I don't usually qualify who I, you know, who influenced me in my life. Because I don't agree with anybody about everything. And, and <laughs> there's no person in the world that I agree with that person 100% on everything. As far as I know. So I don't really usually bother with saying, well, I don't agree with him on this and that. But I'll just speak for just like one, two minutes here. Because, um, you know, if you look up Stefan Molyneux on Wikipedia, you're going you're gonna to see things you might not like. Um, and if you look at his some of his stuff he's put out in the past 10 years, since about 2013, there's, there's political things in there. There's... I'm not even going to get all the specifics. There's just stuff that's not... It's not healthy in there. That's not really embodying a sense of compassion for all humans. Um, but his earliest podcast from like 2006, 2008 was what really influenced me. And so this quote is from that time period. Um, he really was hitting on a lot of truths when it comes to questioning our parents. Now, he wasn't integrating in the, uh, the nonviolent communication solvent, as I like to call it, this compassionate solvent that under, that, that, that that brings this love and empathy and understanding for for parents and their own struggles because of their own unprocessed childhood and and it goes beyond morality it goes beyond right versus wrong that's what nbc does it, it's beyond this good versus evil so there's a lot of that in that quote you know good and evil um Objective values. I mean, objective values. This is a, this is a healthy thing. I think to think about using objective clarity and reason, right? But it's really just about being aware of what's in your self-interest. What are your needs? So we have a need to respect others. We have a need for trust. We have a need. For compassion, we have a need for choice. We have a need for clarity and independence, right? So anyhow, for, for whatever reason, I think because of Stefan's childhood himself, he has some protector parts still um, that haven't integrated some of this shame versus um, this, this right versus wrong paradigm this moral moralistic judgment, right? Which was also Ayn Rand's fault. And Ayn Rand just really doubled down on this moralistic judgment, good versus evil, trying to get needs met, right? Uh, anyhow, I think Stefan still has a, this protective part in him. And perhaps someday I'll be able to connect with him and, and have a, a bridge building conversation. Um, anyway, that's all I'll say there. But yeah, the quote is by Stefan Molyneux. And I do acknowledge him for his influence on my life in that time period, specifically like 2006 to 2008, his, his first couple hundred podcasts. Um, um, in many ways, I'm repurposing 
what he said in this podcast series while also integrating this compassionate lens. Um, you know, a lot of that compassion comes from my experience with psychedelics. And to my knowledge, Stefan has not experienced psychedelics. To my knowledge, he's not talked about psychedelic therapy. Um, I don't think he's really in touch with the fact that we can access this broad love and compassion when we experience something like psychedelics. So I'll just keep it there. But to put a bow on this episode, you know, questioning your parents is a hero's journey. It is an invitation. It's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for becoming who you are. Becoming who you were meant to be, which is fully whole and fully alive and fully free and fully self-expressive and fully curious and fully creative and fully empowered and fully assertive and fully self-responsible and purposeful, fully in integrity with who you are. That's the world that I envision and I believe in. And that's what's the fruit of the labor of one's hero's journey. To look at the truth of your past and face it. And face it with loving kindness for yourself as well. And loving kindness for the child within you. So perhaps as we close, I invite you to just imagine that young child you once were. Just imagine that little boy or little girl, perhaps age three or four or five, and just sitting next to the riverside, just sitting in nature, looking at the river, on the riverbank, and you, as an adult, you see this child, and you see the innocence of this child, and when it feels, when it feels like the moment of invitation. If that child feels ready and is open, you sense to you coming to sit down next to him or her. Perhaps you choose to go sit down next to that little child and watch the river. Knowing that the two of you together are whole. Thank you for listening.